Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, this is my country. I belong to no other. Yeah, this is my country. It's beautiful, like my mother. It's beautiful, like my mother. Lucky you, you get to hear the Anarchist World this week for another hour. And if you don't want to listen to it, turn off, go outside, freeze, get pneumonia, I don't care. All right, now today, well I do care because it'd be more work for me. Now, not that I would actually, well let's not go down that path. Now today is a Defend and Extend public housing rally. I've got to be a bit careful here because I've been involved in so many Defend and Extend campaigns that you kind of get them mixed up. But it's public housing. You can go to the webpage, Defend and Extend Public Housing. The rally will be on the steps of Parliament House. No, there will be no, no, no important speakers except you. It's an open microphone rally. I'm sick and tired of getting, you know, so-called important speakers to come down and they do nothing except speak and go away. And people go, clap, clap, clap. So what we want is activists. We want people who are... Public tenants. We want people who are involved in, in in the campaigns. We have people who want to get involved in the campaigns. We want people who are interested in the concept of housing. I think most of us are because we do need a roof over our head. And the thing about the public housing campaign, if you have a good public housing sector, decreased rents, decreased housing prices, everybody's happy except the investors, and that's why I'm crying for them. So turn up today, and guess what? Today is the first. Wednesday evening when you have conversations with Joe Toscano, humour, satire, the Conjo, Ethiopian restaurant across the road, starting at six, entry by donation, buy your own food and drinks, not buy anything for you scumbags. So just turn up. We need to have a convivial type of uh, discussion, the politics of the week, the issues of the week, a bit of a laugh, some good food. And if you can't afford it, maybe we can get somebody to buy you some. We'll see how we go. Okay. So 6pm tonight, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. Not the Fitzroy side of Smith Street, where 3CR is because they're up themselves, but the working part of, of 
well, you can't call Collingwood working class anymore, can you? No. All right, well, what's Collingwood? 20 Smith Street, across the road in Freesiar, Conjure Ethiopian Restaurant. Turn up, 6pm to 9.10pm. If you've got a musical instrument, bring it with you. We, even, we may even let you play. All right, here we go. Anarchist World, this week, on air, in a second. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World This Week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national and international events Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Escana. This program is coming from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's the end of the show. That's it. What a long introduction. Unbelievable. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, very simple concept. Anarchos without rulers, not without rules, without rulers. And what gives rulers power? Inequalities in power and wealth. So anarchism is about devolving power, sharing wealth. Simple concept. So anarchists, you know, are involved in many campaigns and many struggles. We're not just sitting in our armchairs waiting for the right moment to act. That's bullshit. We're involved in tons of campaigns, like campaigns for public housing, campaigns for public transport, and the list goes on and on and on. Campaigns to devolve power, campaigns for direct democracy. So it's about devolution of power, which is a big word, which means making power accessible to everyone, not just a minority. It's about holding wealth in common and using that wealth for the common good. Because if you really look at Australia, we're supposedly called the Commonwealth of Australia. But unfortunately, some people have very sticky fingers. They put their fingers in the honeypot and it all sticks to their fingers. And that's what anarchism is about, is about not licking off the honey off their fingers but chopping off their fingers so we all get a bit of honey. Okay, so that's what anarchism is all about. So today we're going to talk about a few issues. One's really esoteric. It's about the Victorian Land Convention. It's the 160th anniversary on the uh, on the uh, 15th of July, and you wonder, what? What's he talking about that for? Well, Eureka didn't stop in 1854, so we'll talk about that. We'll look at the Defend and Extend Public Housing Campaign, not just in Victoria but the rest of Australia, because in many parts of Australia... The uh, private sector is looking very lovingly at the public housing sector. There's $50 billion worth of real estate there that can be given away to the private sector, provide a little bit of community and social housing, which is managed and owned by privately run organisations. Think about it. So we'll be looking at that. And obviously we'll be discussing a few other bits and pieces. Now, those of you who donated to the 3CR Radio Fund, 
Yes, I know it's a national program, but we do have a radio fund at 3CR because 3CR is one of the few community radio stations that is not dependent on government grants and uh, advertising and uh, private donations. Well, we raised uh, $11,991.97 and uh, people have paid up 11591 so we've only got another $400 to come in. Now, if by some chance you did miss the radio fund, and unfortunately you've missed a tax deduction for last financial year, but if you want to start the, the year right and you want a tax deduction for this financial year, you can always ring this number, 039 419 8377, 039 419 8377. Make a donation to the 3CR Radio Fund and uh, feel happy that you're helping to promote uh, radical ideas. Okay, let's start off with the public housing uh, debate, if you can call it a debate. Now, currently, in the land of Oz, in many states, not all states, but especially Victoria and New South Wales, there is a huge push to privatise public housing. And both governments, the Andrews-led Labor government in Victoria and the Liberal National Party government in New South Wales, are keen to wash their hands of the responsibility of providing public housing. Now, why is public housing important? Now, we all know how public housing tenants have been denigrated in the society for decades. You know, if you uh, use public housing, somehow you're not a real Australian, are you? Hmm? You've got to pay rent or have a mortgage or own a house to be a real Australian, don't you? If you've got to rely on public housing, mm, you know, not very Australian, is it? Well, it is, has been Australian. About 40 to 50 years ago, 15 to 20% of Australians lived in public housing. Public housing is now reduced to about 3% of the population. There are waiting lists that go over a decade. And, you know, and governments are now privatising what's left of it. $50 billion, $50 billion is up for grabs in New South Wales and Victoria. And if you look at their uh, policies which they're attempting to implement, you can actually see how the private sector is going to get its little paws on the public housing sector. So why is it important to have a strong public housing sector? Let's go back two or three decades to the time when the Labor government privatised the Commonwealth Bank. Everybody thought, wow, isn't it wonderful? We need to privatise the Commonwealth Bank. It's a bit de rigueur. It's not de rigueur to have a... uh, a government-owned bank, is it? So what's happened once the Commonwealth Bank was was privatised? Fees, charges and competition went out of the window. We created a banking system which continues to be dominated by four large banks. And you'll find that about one-third of all those wonderful profits they make every year come from fees and charges, not because they're smart investors and people who've been ripped off by these banks understand they're not smart investors, but because of their fees and charges. Now, when you had a Commonwealth Bank in place, it acted as a break on the fees and charges which the private sector could apply because of the competitive forces, because the Commonwealth Bank was ultimately responsible to Parliament, not the Australian people, but Parliament. 
once it was privatised, the banks were able to maximise their profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. They were able to maximise their profits because there was no way they could actually be brought under control except via regulation. And most of that regulation during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, um, globalisation um, period, which we've been through over the last four decades, meant that they basically regulated themselves. So let's go to the public housing. Let's go to the housing sector. In Australia, housing has become an investment facility. It's not something which is there to provide stability and shelter and community to people. It's primarily our investment. And in every auction you attend in today, or every sale you see, at least 40% will be snapped up by private investors, some from overseas, some local because the investment market, as far as residential property has been concerned, has been opened up to every Tom, Dick and Harry from every corner of the universe. And that's why 10% of all houses are currently vacant, because people make their profits, not from renting them, from capital gain. But that's, that's another story. So why is it important to have a strong public housing sector? Why is it important to have a strong public housing sector? And let's not forget that I only know the Victorian figures, that 3% of people in Victoria now live in public housing. 20 years ago, it was up to about 18%. So why is it important? It's like the Commonwealth Bank analogy. When housing belongs to the state, it provides competition in a marketplace. You have what's called a mixed economy. You've got the private sector, and you've got the public sector. And the stronger the public sector, the less the demand for housing and an associated drop in rents, and more importantly, an associated drop in housing prices at the lower end of the market, which allows new entrants to take out a mortgage. I mean, the median price of a house in Melbourne is about 120 million, about 900,000 in uh, Sydney. This is just a, a tin shack in the CBD. So think about it. Think about it. So a strong public housing sector puts downward pressure on rents and housing costs. A weak public housing sector in a marketplace that's dominated by investors allows prices to escalate and rents to escalate because there's no competitive force. It's a bit strange. Here I am on an anarchist program talking about competition when I should be talking about cooperation. So that's the dilemma. So what is, and and again, I'm only familiar with the New South Wales and Victorian experience. As states like Queensland, I think are still trying to hold on to public housing as well as South Australia and to a lesser extent West Australia. I'm not sure about the Australian Capital Territory in Tasmania, but I'm sure people will educate me. And if they do want to educate me, we do have a Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. I uh, 
encourage you to go to the Facebook page, see what's going on. If you've got things occurring regarding the public housing sector in your corner of Australia, doesn't matter matter whether it's Southern Australia, the Northern Torres Strait, put it up on the website. The more people who use the... Uh, sorry, put it up on the Facebook page. The more people use the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page, the more action can be generated across this country. Because this is a central, critical, important issue. And if you want to tackle three things, homelessness, escalating rents, which make it very difficult for the one-third of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive, to have a roof over their head and permanent accommodation. And if you're worried about escalating housing prices, you should be involved in the public housing campaign. Because it's not just about homelessness. It's about community, it's about creating communities, it's about security. Because the difference between a rental accommodation and a mortgage, if you can pay off the mortgage is the fact you've got security. You can actually establish links in that community. You can send your kids to the same school and the same high school. You can actually access the sporting. and You don't have to move all the time and, you know, uh, destroy your uh, children's chances. So it's about not just the cost but about security. Rental accommodation does not give you security, especially in a country where Australia where we don't actually have long-term leases where, you know, one year, two years is about all you get. And obviously there are so many, uh, uh, you know, little loopholes that the owner can uh, evict you at any time, basically. Just says, oh, well, my sister-in-law needs a home. Fuck off. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. All right? So, public housing. Now, what is happening in Victoria and New South Wales? Well, Defend and Extend Public Housing is a Victorian-based at this current juncture in time and the it's interesting that we use the word defend and extend public housing there are three ways to defend public housing and these are reactive strategies these are reactive these are strategies where you're reacting against government and opposition policies because let's not forget both the national liberal party and the labor party at a state level want to privatize public housing, especially in New South Wales and Victoria. That is their agenda. That is their political program. Even if it means their demise, you know, as a government, this is the Labor Party in Victoria because the Greens will pick up a number of inner city seats. This is the state Labor, state Greens. Well, they don't care because they're more interested in the, pushing their ideologically driven agenda. So how do we react? One is education. Most people have no idea what social housing is and community housing is or affordable housing is. The Victorian government has successfully melded the four public housing, community housing, social housing, affordable housing, melded into one ball. So people think when you talk about community housing, affordable housing and social housing... You're talking about public housing. You're not talking about public housing. These are privately owned and privately run organisations. Some are on not-for-profit, some are for profit. They have their own agenda. They have their own bureaucracy. They set their own rents within a regulatory framework. And most importantly in all, they pick and choose who 
their tenants are. Unlike in public housing, where currently public housing is basically uh, emergency accommodation, except for those people who have been in it for some time and they're finding that their, uh, their units are being closed down. So the first thing is education, is to break down those intellectual barriers about what community social housing is and what public housing is, as they're different concepts. Chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese. You bite into a piece of cheese, you bite into a piece of chalk, you know the difference. Unless you lost your taste buds, you know the difference. Okay? You know the difference. So that's the first thing. So in order to educate people, Defend and Extend Public Housing, which was has been set up by public interest before corporate interests, and we were approached by Friends of Public Housing in Victoria to set up an organisation to try to bring uh, this campaign to the fore, which we have done. And we have been holding rallies outside the Victorian Parliament House on the first Wednesday at every month at midday to which we invite you to come along. And if you listen to this program in other states where the public housing is an issue, we encourage you to do the same thing because public housing is ultimately a state responsibility. The federal government gives a billion dollars to uh, state governments, which isn't very much to um, assist with public housing, and it gives away $5 billion in rent assistance to private landlords a little bit like you know, private health insurance, five or six billion dollars to private insurance companies. Same thing with uh, instead of putting that money into public housing, you give rent assistance. The money goes to the private landlords. You know that five billion dollars, kaching gone. So that's the first thing: is the education factor. So on the first Friday, sorry, on the first Wednesday, on the first Wednesday of every month, if you are in Victoria. Join us for the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rallies. Now, we started off, you know, with prominent speakers. And we really found that after you gave them a hand clap, that was the end of the issue. So the whole purpose of these Defend and Extend Public Housing Rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday on the first Wednesday of the month, and we will have them in July and we'll have them in August, September, October, November and December, and we'll carry on next year until the Victorian state election, is to highlight these issues and to have an open microphone to give people who feel this is an important issue an opportunity to vocalise their opinions and, more importantly, extend that campaign to support and promote public housing. So that's a reactive, it's a reactive campaign which highlights the government's shortcomings. I mean, the government policy is very simple in Victoria, very simple. You run down the public housing sector till the places become almost unlivable. You don't provide maintenance. And if you go to all the walk-up units around Victoria, all in the same position, then you come in with a big smile and say, we are going to redevelop this site, have a few community meetings, and everybody smiles, right? But what they don't tell you is that the site is going to be redeveloped by a privately owned corporation, which will do a 20-80% mix. 20% public housing, 
80%. Private housing. So they're given land away for three. Inner city land for three to build and make a profit at the expense of the public. And more importantly, those residents who refuse to leave will be forcefully evicted. And even more importantly, they do not have the right of the return. Like Palestinians, they don't have the right of return to return to their original homes when the State of Israel was created. It's the same with public housing tenants in Victoria. Once you're removed and resettled somewhere else, you have to reapply to come back. And you may find that the social mix, that means a fancy word for whether it's a one-bedroom place or a two-bedroom place or a family-orientated place, is not available. They say, oh, sorry, can't house you. There are no three-bedroom units for families. And the tragedy about public housing in Victoria is that families have been squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed out of the public housing sector to such an extent they've been moved into a a community in the social housing sector to such an extent that 60% of all public housing units that are left uh, are inhabited by single people. Tragedy. So what we do is, in a reactive campaign, is we highlight the government's shortcomings, what they're going to do. Now, the second thing we can do in, to defend and extend public housing is approach the trade unions. Approach the trade unions to put green bands on these redevelopment sites, unless they are all public housing, to stop these so-called private public partnerships, which are basically giveaways to the private sector from the public sector. Now, this is a difficult situation in Victoria because of the Labor government and its close links to the trade union movement. So it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely, that they're going to put green bands on these sites. But that is one area to work on. Because irrespective of their links to the Andrews-led Labor government, possibly, possibly, they may put the interests of the public as a whole before their interests in terms of their relationship with the state Labor government in Victoria. Obviously, in New South Wales, there's a greater possibility of applying green bans on public housing sites because there isn't that link between the trade union movement and the Liberal National Party, which is currently in power. So that's the second way of being reacting, trying to react against what is proposed. And the third way is direct action. Now, there will be, there will be people in these units that are marked for redevelopment and demolition who will resist eviction. There won't be many, but there will be a few, because once you start resisting your name kind of disappears off the public housing waiting list and you find that you won't go back into social or affordable or community housing because you're a troublemaker, but there will be some people who resist. And if that happens on the estates that have been slowly closed down, well, then we can assist. We can assist in trying to prevent those evictions. So that's the first, that's the third reactive way then in all campaigns, you don't just be reactive. You've got to be proactive. 
you've got to put ideas out into the community and campaign for those ideas. And that's why it's defend, which is reactive, extend public housing, defend and extend public housing, which is proactive. So how do you extend public housing? Well, in Victoria, I know the figures. I'm not sure of the figures in New South Wales. I assume there are a bit more. $6 billion was raised from stamp duty, a duty which is paid by people who buy houses and units. Stamp duty. That's a government tax. It's a direct tax on housing. You buy a house, you pay stamp duty. That money goes to the state government. Now, the Victorian state government uses that money for consolidated revenue. It does not plough that money back into the public housing sector. Now, obviously, also money comes from land tax, which is paid by businesses and people who own more than one home pay a land tax, right? And land tax is based on the capital value of that property. So $6 billion comes from stamp duty, which comes from housing. Why shouldn't that money be quarantined, quarantined to manage and build or spot purchase public housing around the state, both in regional Victoria and the capital cities and the other major cities. Why not? Say if you put aside $1 billion to manage the public housing estates and provide, you know, uh, repairs, upkeeps, etc., etc., with $5 billion, you could build or spot purchase approximately 20 thousand new homes a year and if that was done every year for a decade you could spot purchase or build 200,000 new public housing units in Victoria there are only 63,000 flats units or houses under the Ministry of Housing which is grossly understaffed and underfunded with, with an extra 200, 200 to 250 public houses, flats, units, whatever, in the, in the next decade, you could actually accommodate accommodate approximately 700,000 to a million people, which would be about 15% of Victoria's population in, in a decade's time. And in two decades, you could have almost two million people accommodated in secure, safe public housing, which generates income for the government, but provides secure accommodation for people. This is a proactive campaign. Now, on Wednesday the 5th of uh, July... We'll be concentrating on these issues. We will be on the steps of Victorian Parliament House. As the co-convener of Defend and Extend Public Housing, I will be there. 
and so will be other people. It doesn't matter if there are 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. This is an issue which will grow and grow and grow and grow. Because the question of public housing affects everybody. Those who rent, those who are buying. About the only people who would cry if there was a you know, a large public housing sector would be the 8 to 9% of Australians who've got a second home, you know, who've got the disposable income to use Australia's investor-friendly laws to minimise their taxation by owning more and more homes as investments. Crazy. What a crazy world we live in. So look at your calendar. Look at your calendar. First Wednesday of the month, July, August, September, October, November, December 2017, Midday, midday, steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Let's get this ball rolling. This will be the seventh, sorry, the sixth Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally we've organised. Let's get the ball rolling because ultimately a strong public housing sector benefits the 30% benefits the homeless, the homeless, the 30% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive all those people who are renting and all those people who are paying off a mortgage because it puts downward pressure on housing prices and and rents. It is an essential, critical campaign, especially, especially when both the government and opposition, which control, you know, most of the parliamentary seats, both have policies which will see the transfer of the management and the titles of public housing into the hands of private organisations, privately owned, privately run, who've got their own agendas, their own bureaucracy. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing uh, Facebook page. Have a look. Join the Facebook page. Like it. Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, the number four, the public. Toscano, number four, the public. Become a friend. I need friends. I'm crying. I haven't got any friends. Like the page. Look at the... I've uh, restarted the... uh, I've restarted the, uh, what is it, the Fort Bubbles. They're back up for your comments. I mean, we need to be thinking on our feet all the time. We do face multiple enemies on multiple fronts, not just in Australia but around the world. We do face powerful enemies who over the last four decades have made fortunes at our expense. But more importantly, they have corrupted the very organisations which were created by our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents to ensure that everybody, not just a few, shared in the Commonwealth. They have corrupted the parliamentary system where the only legislation which seems to come up for debate in this past is legislation which increases both the power and wealth have that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And if you think I'm talking bullshit, and I'm sure some of the listeners may think that, do your own research. Look at the inequalities that have grown in this country. 
Look at how difficult it is to access public services. 48 million calls to Centrelink were went unanswered last financial year. 48 million Every public asset that's not nailed to the floor, even those that are nailed to the floor, have been privatised. Including large sections of the public housing, public hospital sector and the public education sector. You would be amazed, if you look into it, how many private organisations are now involved in public education and public health care. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary number. And we have allowed this to occur on our watch. We have allowed this to occur. Maybe not you and me, but as a community, we have allowed this to occur because we've all believed that if you increase profits for a minority, the wealth will trickle down to everybody and hunky-dory will all be happy and singing, you know, kubaya or whatever, okay? So let's move on. I think one of the... Main problems we have as a community is that we're fractured. All right, you listen to a disembodied voice coming out of a microphone, and the anarchist world this week in various guises has been around for forty years. This is my fortieth years of broadcasting. Initially on encounters with the third alternative, and then when the Berlin Wall collapsed and the Soviet gulags collapsed, the anarchist world this week. Okay, so we're fractured. We do initiate campaigns. Some are successful. Some aren't. We do put ideas out in the community. They don't get very far, but they're there. They do provide a different opinion. So we are there. We are part of that. Com- we are part of this community. We may be on the margins, throwing rocks at the glass house, and that's all it is. It's a glass house. It's not made out of concrete and steel. It's a glass house, ready to crack at any time if big enough rocks are thrown because of the inherent contradictions in the economic and social, cultural void we find ourselves in. So we're there. We're there all the time. But sometimes we forget that we need that human interaction outside these campaigns. And if you are in the city of Melbourne on a Wednesday night, and you may be, who knows, the world's most livable city, they tell me, for some, for some. If you are in the city of Melbourne, why don't you uh, you join me? Yep, every Wednesday evening, starting on the 5th of July, 6pm. Wednesday evening with Joe Toscano. Wow. An evening of satire, irony and humour that examines the news of the week among friends and supporters in a convivial environment. And why am I doing this? Well, for three reasons. One... The social interaction, bringing people together. It's always good to bring like-minded people together to discuss what's happening around them. Two, you only have to listen to the news to fall about laughing. I mean, you don't need to be a comedian in 2017 in Australia. All you've got to do is read out the news. Just extraordinary. 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 Give you an example. Now the North Koreans have, you know, put up a missile, okay, and they've got a few nuclear bombs. We know that. And now North Korea 
irrespective of what you think of the government of North Korea, and I assume it's um, particularly, a, well, it isn't a particularly authoritarian, nasty little little uh, enclave. I know huge threats to the world because if they unleash one nuclear bomb anywhere in the world, I assume within 20 minutes, North Korea would be a total wasteland as other countries responded. A total wasteland. Now, the main reason North Korea is developing their nuclear arsenal and their ability to deliver that nuclear arsenal is for self-protection. All the North Korean regime is interested in is survival. The people who run North Korea, that small enclave, think that the only way, they know that the only way they can survive when they look around the world and see what's happened to countries like Libya and Syria, the only way they can survive is by having a nuclear deterrent. But when you look at the response in the Western media to what what's occurred, you would think that nuclear bombs will be raining on Darwin tomorrow. This is what I mean how ludicrous coverage has become in this country where you've got a small section dominating that aspect of the media being able to put their spin on what's happening. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary. That's the whole purpose of this evening is to look at that, to look at how the media works, look at how ideas are spread, look at why people like us are on the margins, have a bit of a laugh. Now, it'll be held at the every Wednesday at 6pm. We'll give it a go, four to six weeks. If it doesn't work, well, we're not going to continue. But if it works and people turn up, it can be a, a weekly event, 50 years a week, weekly event. The Konjo Ethiopian Restaurant, which is at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood in Melbourne. 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. That's the Victoria Street end of Smith Street. It's almost directly opposite the community radio station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. See, Smith Street is a funny street. On one side, you've got Fitzroy, which is 21 Smith Street, which is the studios of radio station 3CR from where I'm broadcasting on the community radio network. And on the other side of the street is Collingwood. So 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, opposite radio station 3CR, you get off at the Victoria Parade, Smith Street uh, Juncture, get off the tram or the bus there, walk down about 150 to 100 metres and, hey, presto, you see the community radio station at 21 Smith Street, look across the road, there's the Conjo Ethiopian restaurant. Now, there are two catches, always catches, never a free lunch. One, you've got to buy your own food and drinks. I'm not here to subsidise you, all right? I'm providing the entertainment and leading the discussion, so... You buy your own food and drinks. I'll buy my own food and drinks. You buy your own food and drinks. Great food. And if you're vegetarian, they've got a lot of vegetarian dishes there. Plenty. And secondly, I do have debts. The community radio station from which I broadcast from onto the community radio network, I owe them over $2,000 because I haven't been able to pay for the privilege for a few months now because of my own personal issues. So this is a way 
via which I hope to reduce that debt to Community Radio 3CR. So there will be a hat going round during the evening, every Wednesday. People will be encouraged to put a, some money in there and every cent that's raised will go towards decreasing that debt, that personal debt I have, Community Radio Station 3CR, because it does cost to broadcast. There are costs involved. And to broadcast the Anarchist World this week costs roughly about $100 a week. You know, there are costs. As I said, I've been through difficult times over the last few months, and this is one way of raising money uh, to clear that debt. While having a great meal, good conversation, and more importantly, meeting new people who are like-minded new people. And who knows, you may get involved in new initiatives, new organisations, new campaigns. And that's what the Wednesday evening of Joseph Toscani is all about. So starting on Wednesday the 5th of July, 6pm, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, uh, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood. See you there tonight. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, as most listeners to the program know, I love looking at history, especially Australian history, because unfortunately, unfortunately, over the years, the victors write the history. And unfortunately, over the years, momentous events that have occurred in the history of this country have been buried. And nothing highlights this more than the national hysteria surrounding the centenary of Anzac Day in 2015 and the fact that this country conveniently forgot that during World War I, the anti-conscription movement, which involved many sections of the community, defeated two plebiscites in 1916 and 1917, and we celebrated here at the Anarchist World this week. We organised a celebration to mark that 216th anniversary, and we'll do it again for the 217th anniversary this year, of the success of the anti-conscription movement in defeating conscription plebiscites, which would have resulted in another 60,000 young Australian men and women being sacrificed on the European killing fields for the glory of God, king and country, not democracy, or the struggle to share wealth. So you can see how history is recorded. Look at the Eureka Rebellion and how it's almost been removed from the historical accounts of this country and how people who've got ideas which are diametrically opposed to the ideas that the Eureka Rebellion were based on who now use the Eureka flag as some type of racist implement. Now, there was something that occurred in Victoria 160 years ago which was important, which was a direct consequence of the 1854 Eureka Rebellion. And the whole Eureka struggle was based 
on the concept of not just rights and liberties, but access to land. Because as people flooded to the gold fields, and only a handful, a very small minority, struck gold, there were tens of thousands of people who were denied the right to access land to determine their future. And over the next 20 years, there was a constant struggle within Victoria regarding land. And it got to such a head that an alternative parliament was created opposite the Victorian Parliament House, which went on at the uh, the Southern Markets, which were in Exhibition Street corner, I think, of uh, Collins and Exhibition Street. The Southern Markets there, which went on for almost a decade. And the beauty of this movement was that it was based on direct democratic principles. That's right, the type of things we talk about here on the Anarchist World this week, where the people make a decision, elect or appoint a delegate to coordinate those decisions at a local, state, national, international level. And the Victorian Land Convention was held on the, from the 15th of July till the 6th of August in 1857. That's 160 years ago. That's right. I got the right. 160 years ago. So the Southern Cross, Southern Cross rose phoenix-like from the ashes of the failed Eureka Rebellion. Now, 10 years ago, for the 150th anniversary, I put out a small publication, the Victorian Land Convention, A Vote, A Farm, A Rifle, 15th of July to the 6th of August, 1857, Direct Democracy in Action, 1857 to 2007. Because I felt it was important that people understood how direct democracy works and that we have a history of direct democratic organisations in Australia. And I must say that I accidentally stumbled on the Victorian Land Convention when I was doing some research on the riots which occurred outside the Victorian Parliament on the 28th of August 1861. And as an anarchist, I've always promoted direct democracy as an alternative to parliamentary rule. And I've always tried to highlight the difference between a delegate and a representative. A representative is given a signed blank check to make decisions for you for the next three to four year period. They can change the political party they belong to. They can change their ideas. They can change the things they're going to vote on. They can promise you one thing and do nothing, and you can do nothing about it till the next election. A delegate can be elected or appointed by a group of people. They have a specific mandate. And when those delegates meet, they usually come up, they either agree or come up with some type of compromise decision which is taken back. Now, it may seem a little bit cumbersome a cumbersome form of democracy, but because it's inclusive, you find that in a delicate system there is little resistance to the ultimate decision that is made. Now, to my chagrin, 10 years ago, 
almost 160 years to the day in 2017. The question of land tenure in Victoria, where 720 squatters who had removed the original inhabitants in the most brutal manner possible in the previous 15 years, which led to the mass slaughter of thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Aboriginal people who had lived, you know, on this continent for tens of thousands of years, controlled and owned, had leasehold title to all the land. And there were debates in Parliament after the Eureka Rebellion because it took another three years to get universal male suffrage in this in, in Victoria. There was debate in Parliament at that particular point in time to turn leasehold title into freehold title. And the big difference is leasehold title, ultimately the land reverts back to the state. Freehold title becomes private property. And people were incensed at the fact that this legislation had been put into power and was being debated. Tens of thousands of Victorians, many of them, most of them, you know, many of them refugees from the 1848 revolutions that swept Europe, many of them chartists and radical activists, tens of thousands of Victorians came together and used the delicate system to establish a working alternative to the Victorian Parliament. Tens of thousands. The pressure for land reform was unstoppable. The Victorian Land League was established in December 1856. Thomas Loder, the Secretary of the Victorian Victoria Land League invited a Congressional Assembly of Delegates on the 20th of June 1857 to formulate a program for constitutional land reform. 89 delegates across Victoria were elected by their communities and this Victorian Convention met from the 15th of July, almost 160 years ago, to the 6th of August in 1857 at Keeley's Hotel at the corner of Spring and Lonsdale Street in Melbourne. At the very corner in which the uh, Commonwealth offices currently stand. It established a standing council which met weekly well into the 1860s. The Victorian Convention met opposite the Victorian Parliament House in the old Eastern Markets, the site of the new Victorian Government uh, Treasury Offices, and acted as an alternative parliament. This was an alternative parliament which existed in Victoria for almost a decade. Many of the supporters of the Victorian Convention, who were elected as members of the Victorian Lower House, caucused as the Convention Corner Group. Many of the radical reforms which occurred in Victoria, which took a lead in Australia in terms of radical changes like universal free secular education, many of these reforms, many of the land reforms that occurred came directly as a response to the Victorian Land Convention, one of the most important gatherings of people in the history of this country. 
we will be celebrating that on the 15th of July this year, which is a Saturday. I'll be holding a lecture and lunch to mark the 160th anniversary at midday, and again at the same restaurant, the Konjo Ethiopian Restaurant, at 20 Smith Street in Collingwood. I'll mention it again next week. Same principles, buy your own food and drinks, entry by donation, all money raised goes towards negating my debt to the community radio station 3CR. No bookings necessary, you just turn up on the day. We can fit in as many people as possible. So if you want to learn about the Victorian Land Convention, you want to learn why it was a byproduct of the Eureka Rebellion, you want to celebrate direct democracy as a working alternative 160 years later after there was an alternative parliament set up on the direct democratic delegate system opposite the Victorian Parliament House, turn up Saturday the 5th of July. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, a number of websites you can look at to look at all the issues that are happening. You can look at uh, Toscano for the Public Facebook page. Come a friend, join, see what's going on. Look at the Fort Bubble of the Day. You can come to the uh, restaurant this evening, Wednesday the 5th of July, 6pm. Discuss the news of the week in a convivial environment. You can write to us. Yes, we still do answer letters at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me on anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. That's right. Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can download the application form from info at pibci.net. Info at pibcpibci.net. You can leave heartfelt messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Lots of things happening. Get involved. Become involved. You don't like what we're doing? That's fine. Organise your own organisations. Democracy is not about voting every three to four years. Democracy have been, is about being constantly active, devolving power, sharing wealth. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week to the Anarchist World this week. And if you're listening to this program for the first time on your local community radio station or and your community radio station does not broadcast the Anarchist World this week, knock on their door, say, excuse me, are you part of the community radio network? And if you are, why don't you host the Anarchist World this week? If you're not part of the community radio network, we can also host you. So thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Those websites, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Pibsy. Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Facebook page, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Go to the uh, website, pipsy.net, download the application form, info at pipsy.net, info at pipsy.net. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week and take your fingers out of your ears and you'll be fine. If you don't, 
you'll get brain damage. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network.